Hi, I'm Matt Falk, coming at you from Hottie Da Studio. Welcome to Past, Present, Future, the only podcast in the universe that dares to appease the ghosts of comedy past, comedy present, and comedy yet to come. My guest today is a comedian and writer who has accumulated such a massive amount of credits over his still booming career that there is no way we can get through them all in this intro. To scratch the surface, you may have seen him on one of his eight appearances at Just for Laughs, performing alongside Jason Alexander, Whoopi Goldberg, Sir Patrick Stewart, or the Muppets. Or maybe you saw him on one of his 10 appearances on the Halifax Comedy Festival, or maybe you heard him on one of his 20-plus debates on the hit CBC radio show, The Debaters, or maybe you've seen him live during the Snowed In Comedy Tour, the biggest comedy tour in the country, which packs out theaters in over 60 cities year after year. As a writer, he's written on The Ron James Show, Still Standing, The John Doerr Television Show, and seriously, so much more. He's not just an audience favorite. The industry can't get enough of this guy either. With four Canadian Comedy Award nominations, two Gemini Award nominations, being crowned the winner of SiriusXM's Top Comic, and winning a Canadian Comedy Award for Best Male Stand-Up. This summer, he went from performing on a Winnipeg Comedy Festival gala, something he's done many times before, to hosting his own gala, a privilege reserved for only the best of the best in the industry. And his brand new dry bar comedy special, Holy Goose, is out now. Please welcome Pete Zedlacker. Wow, Matt, that is research. There's a lot to research for you, so it's, uh, it makes it easier. I never hear all of the credit. It- felt like I was being eulogized. It felt like you were speaking at my funeral, like a life well lived. Here's what he's done. I really hope that when when it's your funeral, uh, they don't announce it with such joy and chipperness. I disagree. I want it exactly <laughs> spoken exactly like that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the grave, Pete <laughs> Zedlacker. As they, as they bring in my urn, please welcome. <laughs> He's about to headline on top of his grandma's mantle. I don't know why your grandma outlived you in this scenario, but hey, I want to say, um, so we've worked together in the far distant past, past uh, a word that I almost said correctly. Um, but also most recently we had a debaters episode together, which was incredible. Yeah. You were hilarious. And I was there uh, when you shifted from performing on a gala to hosting your own gala at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. I was one of the people on your gala. How did that feel? Like going, that's a huge moment in the career. I'm assuming it feels good. It was a gi- ginormous pat on the back when yeah. uh, they had kind of said in passing in the previous year, maybe we'll have you back to host. Wow. And host is like, you know, a celebrity comes in, you know? That's like, right. Roddy Piper hosted a gala at the Winnipeg yeah. Comedy Festival. You know, Gordon Pinsent hosted a gala at the Winnipeg Comedy mm-hmm. Festival. You know, celebrities. So when that came up, I was like, wow, that is, yeah. even just being mentioned in possibility of that yes. happening. Yeah. So when it did come in, it came in right at the exact same moment, at the right moment. It just, it put a, a real spring in my step for a good, you know, five months leading up to the taping we even want driving around the city during the week of the festival your face is plastered over these giant billboards all over the city it's it's a huge accomplishment billboards yeah we see your fa- well it's funny because i'm i'm backstage at the 
um, at the theater yeah. and I looked out the theater window and I could see the billboard for the show. It was just <laughs> one of those full circle moments. I'm like, this is crazy. This is super cool. And, and then on top of that, the gala went super well, everybody, really yourself did. included, obviously uh, just smashed that show. Uh, that audience left there going, that was a lot of fun. So talk more about how good I did. Um, well, like, on my end, I, your name was very easy to pronounce. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was an, it was a good one. Yeah. Um, your intro was perfect. And then you went on stage and you crushed it in a, in a, in a new level. Um, I, I love, I love that. I'm clearly joking and pandering for, uh, praise. And then you just went for it. You just compliment. That was so nice. Thank you. If, if you went up there and, uh, stunk up the place, I would have yeah. been. I'd be telling the truth right now, but I was considering doing that. That's one. I go one of two directions when I get on stage. I either, I either do well or I ruin any possible future career advancement from that's myself. great. That's a sign of a, a true artist when you go up there really? and yeah, absolutely. If you go up there and kill and then the next night you go up there and bomb, that means you're doing something correctly. I'm yeah, so, true. I want to hear more about that. What are you talking about? Explain, explain your thought process behind that. If you're going up there and doing, consistently mediocre you're not an artist you're not pushing it you're not learning you're not growing with your audience right but if you go up there and just crush it one night and you go oh my god this guy is great and then the next night they go up on stage and then they just tank I'm like that's because they're taking risks they're tra they're trying something different wow. they're being you know now to stuck. use yeah to use an analogy that i'm not equipped to use when you work out you know, you, you tear your muscle, you're actually ripping something yeah. and then it has to heal. And that's the only way I had just read this recently. That's the only way to actually grow is to like destroy something for pain. Pain needs to exist in order for there to be growth. So I guess yeah. I, I track with what you're saying. You got to fall down. You got to, you know, even 26 years into my comedy career, I got to take risks when I'm trying new jokes. Like it's, yeah. is this funny? You know, I mean, after 26 years, I hope I got the kind of sense that this was there's something in this but a lot of times you go up on stage and just kind of riff it out around the idea of what you have and uh sometimes it falls right on your face you know and you get up and try it again and that's what art is i love it and uh and i could chat with you about this forever but you know it's it's not just my show you know what i mean we have presences floating oh, in and out of this okay. studio right now and i don't know if you can sense it but i can feel a cold there's, chill in the air is that what my goosebumps are happening right now? That's why? exactly why they're happening. Thank you. No one plays along. I am the ghost of comedy past. Today I take you to the first best joke you wrote. <laughs> oh, that's oh, intriguing. That's a good the question. first, what's that first best joke you wrote? Early in your career, that first killer bit. Okay, so this is actually very interesting. This this is a great question, by the way. Thank, Thank you, Ghost. You. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll pass it on. He's gone. The um, I wrote a joke in my first few months of comedy about the upcoming Spider-Man movie that was coming out. Okay, and I my Tobey Maguire, Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi. It was very exciting. People were very excited, and I, as a Spider-Man fan, of course, I was very excited. Right. But I wrote a joke that film wasn't the proper medium to tell the story of Spider-Man. Okay. He said it should be a Broadway musical, which years later, boom, it becomes it a becomes Broadway one. musical, a real Broadway musical. Um, 
Yeah, and it was like it was a crazy Broadway musical too, wasn't it? Like it was that was Julie Taymor who did Lion King, and it was like Bono and the Edge did the music or something, and oh, like Spider Man, yes. the Spider Man actors kept like falling Holy. from the like high state. They had to keep shutting it down. We lost another lead actor, and <laughs> it was crazy. If you were the understudy at Spider-Man, there's a good chance you're going to be called up that night. <laughs> understudy, that's the only time you're like, you're an understudy in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. You're going, I can't believe it. I'm going to get on stage tonight. I'm going to be a Broadway actor tonight. <laughs> that's right. I'm going on an act two. I can feel it. That rope did not look strong. <laughs> so what was the bit? What was the bit? So I, yeah, I, I performed a three minute version of what I thought the Spider-Man musical would be. Like spider senses tingling now, tingle, ting, tingle, ting. Um, that was the first one that kind of people, people kind of paid attention because it was different. Obviously it was very different from yeah. everybody else on amateur night. Um, and you were, you've always been very theatrical in your comedy, something that, uh, is very different from my comedy. I'm very subdued. I'm very laid back. Uh, so true. You're very, I don't, very I don't like to emote. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very mumbled. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, it's all yeah. about the witticisms Mumble. for me. Uh, you, but you, this is, this is, this comes from a really, organic place for you you studied in new york city is this true yes so i went to the american musical and dramatic academy in the 90s that's where i kind of started my show business career and uh yeah i wrote a couple of jokes right out of acting school that went right on stage i had a, a an acting teacher who said uh, uh he spoke with a like a, a faux british accent but he oh, was no. from like american but it was like right you know, one of those kind of guys you know sure yeah um every good actor should own a cat he studied the fluidity of the cat and the movement of the cat so that I would perform Hamlet as a cat, you know, so just, you know, to be a not to be, you know, I did that in acting class. Like, you know what? I don't even think he's the only acting teacher that said that. I feel like I just read in an yeah. acting book that if you watch a cat on stage, it'll be more captivating than most actors because it's truly Always. alive on stage. That's right. And even if it's just following a piece of fuzz with, with its eyes, it's more alive than the actor usually is up there. Because the audience is drawn to reality, right? So that's why I forget who is attributed to this quote, but uh, never act with children or animals because that audience is always watching the, because the kid doesn't just, you know, is being yeah. a kid yeah. and the dog is on stage. It's just being a dog, right? Yeah. So it's fascinating to the audience. There was a time when, uh, when we were living near Toronto and I went to go see War Horse, the play. Oh yeah. Uh, so, and it's these giant puppets, puppets of horses. I remember this. Yeah. But they were done so well that I remember there was a, a moment when they were, they were getting, this horse was supposed to go on this trailer and he kind of did this thing with his head where he kind of like, like didn't want to get on the trailer. And uh -huh. a part of me completely forgot it was a puppet. And I went, Oh no, this horse isn't going to get on the trailer. <laughs> and I like panicked for like a wow. second and then realized, no, there's a dude right it's a, inside it's a of puppet. the thing. Yeah. That's it's some, well, that's, that's some realism. They, that's they really thought of good. everything for this uh, war horse. That's right. Cool. So you, so you, you were very theatrical when you started. Were you were always that way, or did you ever start off different than that, or did it, did it, was it always theatrical? When young comics come up to me and they say, you know, my influences are this guy and this guy, that's fine. Jump up on stage and try comedy, what you think you want to do, kind of thing. So, like, I was, right. I loved Norm Macdonald. I worshipped Norm Macdonald. Yeah, I wrote jokes early in my comedy career that were like, hey, hey, here's my punchline. Ah, uh, uh, Bob, you got me, you know. Um, and that was just a few sets in until I was like, started talking with my legitimate voice and found my own voice and found my stage legs. And, um, 
a few but shows yeah. in, you found your voice. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it's, shocking for me because it. I feel like it took me just years. And yeah, most comics okay. I talk to, it seems like it it took years. How how did you find how did you find it so quickly? I just I remember thinking like it like an actual thought that my stand up voice is just an amplified version of my own voice. So once I kind of put that into my head, I was like, okay, so it's just like you're performing a play, you're performing, you know, in just yeah. in front of an audience, like, but now your voice is, is, is amplified through a microphone and through a, a PA system. Um, and once I kind of clicked on that, it just, yeah, it was just, it was an easy transition for me to go from talking off stage to talking on stage. See, but again, I think you're brushing over it because Yes, I, I, I've heard that my entire career too, that it's your stage voice is like you on 10, right? But the problem sure. for me, and maybe this says more about me than it does about you, but the problem for me was I didn't know what, who I was regularly. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't know who I was off stage, so I couldn't be myself oh, okay. Okay, on stage. Yeah. But you obviously had a clear sense of self, you know? What, what, do, you, what do you attribute that to? I, well, that's funny, because, you know, when you think back to like Eddie Murphy was doing stand-up when he was like 16 or 15 years old, yeah. And he had that voice like he had, I mean, obviously he evolved into the comic that he became, but it's always a phenom to me when I see young comics going up on stage and it takes years to kind of track what, what you are on stage kind of thing. And it, I mean, it, I found my voice early on for sure, but what those jokes were going to be took a massaging and, and jumping on stage and being obsessed with it and, you know, I was doing 12, 15 sets a week if I could, you know, wow. just obsessed with comedy, like going on stage at the laugh resort and then going across town and doing an open mic and then going across town and doing another open mic and just obsessed with it just as much as I could. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> and the biggest the biggest thing I want to ask you is. And of course, we're interrupted. Oh, boy. Oh, no. All right. Here we go. Ghost of comedy present. Answer this. How do you know if a new joke is going to work? Oh, see, I knew the ghost was going to ask this question, and you were circling around that this topic earlier. So the, the ghost of Christmas of, of comedy present sounds like yeah. a cartoon dog. Does it really? <laughs> What's a line a cartoon dog would say? And then I'll, I'll we'll get the ghost to say it. Oh no, where's my supper? Oh no, where's my supper? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Thank so you. Funny. Thank you, Ghost of Comedy <laughs> present for that. Uh, I'm fascinated by this question too. Um, and it actually was presented uh, to me a couple weeks ago by a listener of the podcast who was curious uh, about this kind of stuff. How do you know when you're writing a joke or when you come up with an idea, how do you know, oh, this is going to work on stage? I have a very clear rule if it makes me laugh it's it goes on stage if it doesn't make me laugh it does not go on stage like which sounds absolutely clear-cut is what you should be doing but right. a lot of comics write jokes thinking like oh audiences will like this oh i bet you i bet you this material will kind of connect with audiences kind of thing instead mm -hmm. of thinking hey does this legitimately make you laugh well then wow. you bring it on stage um and i've had things that have made me laugh that just don't translate to stand up like it just right. It just, this would work great as a sketch, or this is like a movie premise, or this might be like a, a sitcom moment instead of something you can do in stand-up. Yeah, yeah. But, but those moments are rare, because stand-up is, is, is the perfect black box theater. Like, you can 
create anything on stage. You can create Spider-Man the musical, or you can talk about relationships, or you could, you know, talk about dogs or anything. You know, you can create anything on that stage. So, And it seems like um, stand-up was always your, like, a natural voice for you to filter your thoughts through. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, I I certainly enjoy it. Uh, Like, I really... That first few times that I did stand up and did well and then got paid in beer, I was like, this is <laughs> what I want to do. This is this is amazing. This, this is- feels right. <laughs> but then also finding the comedy community in Toronto and just, you know, and, you know, being embraced by them and then saying, you know, hey, Pete, you should come and do my show. And hey, can you come and do my show here? And it was just immediately I was just off to the races. I'm like, I'm a comedian now. That's incredible. I see. I always have this feeling when I'm writing a joke. My my wife and I write together, so yeah. One of, one of us will come up with an idea. We'll record it on our phone, and then we'll kind of workshop it together. And but there's these some moments where either she'll say something or I'll I'll say something, and I can like, it's like I'm transported to the stage, and I can I can feel it working. I can just feel it. That's great. I can feel the audience laughing, and I just I know that I know that I know. Oh, this is this is a funny and killer bit, and yeah. I've only been wrong about that. I mean, I've been wrong like a handful of times, but the when I get that feeling, then I know okay, something special here is happening. But for the most part, I, there, that feeling doesn't come. It's just kind of like like exactly what you said. Does this make me laugh? Yeah. For me, I do less, probably less about myself and more about my ideal audience. I think about uh, I think about two people it's actually uh it's it's my wife and it's my uh childhood friend uh that i I, i'm still friends with him his name is josiah and i think if it would make them laugh sure then i'm happy because they're the they're the two people that i'm my most authentic uh funny self with so i figure if it can if this would make them laugh then i'm i'm okay if it doesn't make anyone else laugh that's phenomenal you you have um you obviously have a gift for comedy, like, like just that homing instinct of what's going to work kind of thing. And Ron James has the same thing. Like he can sit in a room and just write jokes and kind of riff to himself Mm. and then walk on stage in front of 4,000 people and try a brand new bit, which is (laughs) the terrible. That's the scariest thing in the world to me. Yeah. Um, I have to, and I think it's just because of how I started in comedy is hit those mics. I have to go and hit those open mics and those, you know, Monday night bar gigs and the the Tuesday night at the roadhouse and, and just try brand new material there. And if it clicks and if I hear something that works in there, then I walk off stage, make some notes, go, okay, maybe I can try that at the club. Then I'll bring it to an actual comedy club and then I'll put a little polish on it. And then, then if it's really working then I can bring it to the stage and then bring it to uh, the Snowden comedy tour. But it's this weird process I still have to do. Like, like you are a phenom and be able to just like write with your wife and then walk on stage and try a brand new bit. It's it's terrifying well, to me. Th- there's definitely there's definitely a, a process like yours, but I don't I didn't grow up in my early years of comedy doing a ton of open mics. I only started doing that later in in my life. So that that process I do that more now. Like kind of what you described, getting up on a smaller stage, trying it, and moving yeah. up to bigger and bigger stages, but. Uh, for the most part, I'll just kind of sandwich it in to the hour. I'll just kind of yeah, put I mean, it in between course. kind of a thing. Yeah. But I, yeah. w- what you're doing is a, like a really kind of a beautiful traditional way of testing out material because 
what it does is it makes sure that you're not getting in your own head. It makes sure that you're you're getting laughs every step of the way. Yes. And I think a lot of people forget that's really what comedy is. It's about making sure that audience is laughing. And a lot of these open mics, there's, you know, seven audience members and 15 comedians waiting to get on stage. So yeah. it's if you can get a laugh in those rooms, it is, oh, I'm really on to something here. And you're writing a ton of new material because you have to do a new 30 minutes every year for the Snowden Comedy Tour. So we do this, our national tour, the Snowden Comedy Tour goes from January until April. We do a, all the way across Canada, uh, nine, nine, eight or nine provinces now. Um, we skip Quebec and- uh, Good. Uh, well, I'm just something, we're, it's a, a dot on the map that we want to hit, but uh, right. it's, we, haven't, we haven't figured out that crack that nut yet but it's 65 cities across canada Incredible. and every year there's four of us and we write a brand new show every year and uh audiences come back year after year we talk to people after the show there's you know this is our 12th year coming this is our 14th year coming like it's it's phenomenal it's um but it's it's heavy lifting it's brand new show every year about this time of year every year i'm like ooh, i better get to work i got a brand new show to put together for next year it's insane because when I see you perform, it doesn't sound like a person who's like, hey, I'm. this is uh, written new in the last six months. It sounds like tried, true, tested, Good. solid A material. And that is really hard to do. That's really great. hard Thank to you. do. Thank you. And Thank you. Like and I think it, it 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 is attributed to your work ethic. The fact that you are getting up on stage as much as you are, I think that's that's gotta be the secret. That's the other thing I wanted to say. Like, I, I remember a young comic saying to me a couple of years ago at one of the mics here in Calgary, they said to me, he's like, wow, you'll really do any show, won't, won't you? Like, <laughs> kind of like in a backhanded kind of... Yeah, an insult. And I said to him, like, yeah, that's how I'm still in comedy 20 years wow. later. Is like, I'm, wow. st I'm still hitting those same mics and walking up on stage and riffing it out because... And in my head, I'm like, you won't be around next year. And of course, they're not around the next year. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So it's it's hard work. It's there's the guys that come in and I'm going to just stop by and do a set and then leave kind of thing. And you, they just don't last. There's a there's there's a there's an obsession that really mm. brings you to the next level of comedy. It's, uh, you know, talent mm. can only take you so far. It's hard work. It is hard work getting up there and being obsessed with it every day. I can almost hear uh, young comedians listening to this podcast and taking feverish notes right now as you're talking. I hope so. You're 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 laying out a blueprint. I, I remember I was talking to young young comics and they're saying like, uh, you know, when I started, I did like 15 sets a week or 10 sets a week. They were like, "Whoa, we can't do that." I get like two or three a month kind of thing. I'm like, "Well, right. it's going to take you 30 years to get to a place where you're comfortable on stage." You, you know, you wow. gotta start an open mic or move to a place where there's comedy or, you know, just, you know, going up on stage once every three weeks and doing your same five minutes that you wrote two years ago is not going to get you anywhere in comedy. So you gotta, gotta work hard. It's hard work. It's all about that stage time. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, uh, oh no. All uh -oh. right, Mr. Zedlacker. Oh, this feels really scary. This one. Yeah, this, oh, this, this can oh, get no. a little bit odd, but we'll, uh, let's just go with it. I am the ghost of comedy yet to come. What's one comedy goal you still hope to achieve? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> wow. That was, uh, wow. I want to see that guy's band. Is he in a, in like a death metal band? That's, is that's it, he cool. was. He was in a death yeah? metal band. Yeah. Wow. And now but, he... 
he just floats around and asks questions to comedians. Well, he he lives here. He pays rent. Oh, he lives. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't. Hotty Da Studios. He lives here at Hotty Da Studio. It's okay. singular, not plural. Oh, it was just one. Apology. Perhaps one day, you know, expansion. You never know. Sure. Studios or but franchises. Right now, yeah, franchise no, we're not piece. universal over here. Give me a break. What's okay? The, I think this question comes from a, a place of understanding the fact that you've accomplished so much, but you're you're you feel like you just keep kind of booming you just keep kind of having these moments of like oh wow like pete did something else and he's doing something else but what's that thing that you still haven't done that you still want to do what's left on the bucket list uh it's happening this summer as a matter of fact um i've done numerous um military tours over the years yeah which was not part of my eulogy off the top by the way no no (laughs) apparently not sorry (laughs) i uh I've done, uh, I, I believe, 13 overseas military tours performing wow. for troops in war zones. And I always come home with stories that are, you know, some I can turn into stand up and some that are just, they're just heartbreaking or they're, they're, they're not the right medium for stand up. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on a book. I've been working on a, a play for way too long. <laughs> And uh, I submitted to the uh, Edmonton Fringe Festival, and I got yeah. in this year. So I'm I'm going to be right. performing my one man play called The War Comic uh, this uh, this August, and uh, that's been a bucket list thing for me for a very long time is to be able to talk about my experiences overseas and, and seeing the troops and seeing the the locals and and how the war is perceived and how we perceive it and what I actually saw over there and. Um, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's definitely a bucket list kind of thing. So, um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, that sounds incredible. How, how do you define success for this show? You're performing it at the Edmonton Ooh. fringe this year. How would you, what, what has to happen for you to look at this and say that was a success? Oh, that's great. I don't know. Um, I kind of have this very low bar uh, goal. If I if I get good reviews and break even, I'll be so happy. You know, yeah. uh, if I get great reviews and pack the, the house, and uh, I will be over the moon. I will be over. It's it's, it's a small three hundred seat theater. Um, we're gonna hustle up some seats, and uh, hopefully, people come out in those first couple of shows, and and I uh, blow their hair back, and they like it, mm-hmm. and word of mouth gets out there, and then we'll uh, we'll do well for the rest of the uh, rest of the run. But um, when yeah. when is the when is the Edmonton Fringe? August seventeenth through twenty seventh. All right, so uh, listeners, yeah. if you're in Edmonton around that time, go uh, go check out yeah. Mr. Zedlacker's show. The That's... War Comic is the title of the show. Um, that's yeah, phenomenal. Pete Zedlacher's The War Comic. So you know as well as I do that the ghosts did not bring you to these three places on accident. So no. the question I have, you've been transported from past, present, and to future. Okay. W- what have you learned? Why did they bring you to these three places? Uh, the first best joke you wrote, uh, talking about how you know if a joke is going to work and your future comedy goals. What? Why did they bring you to these three places? What did you learn? What did you need to... To, to figure out here. I think the ghosts were trying to tell me that my theatrical background, along with the hard work and dedication and obsession with stand-up comedy and my ultimate goal of doing well at the Edmonton Fringe Festival equals right now getting to work on that play. Wow. <laughs> I should be getting to work right now. I should be writing more. I should be rehearsing more. I should be riffing more on uh, on on this play. 
I think that's exactly what the the ghosts were trying to tell me. Get to work, Zed Lacker. You got to play to write. I think it's I think it's so cool because it really did start out. You know, your the first best joke you wrote was a joke about theater. Theatricals, yeah. And then now uh, using that kind of theatrical gifting and talent you've had throughout the entire career and now coming to do a theater show. But I think it's more than that, too, because I think what I've learned about you is that you are a human being who understands. That's it. That's what I learned. (laughs) I'm a human man. You're a human being who understands who he is, at least for the most part. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? But you understand who you are and you know your voice and you know what you want to say. And I think it's that kind of confidence. It's that kind of self-assuredness that, you know, has, first of all, brought you overseas to perform uh, on these military tours, but also to say, these are stories that are worth telling. And I I need to use the voice that I have, which is stand up and, you know, comedy and theater to tell that, to tell that story. And I think someone who has such a assured voice and the assured sense of self, I think you're the perfect person to tell these kind of stories. Wow. Okay. I'm going to get you to uh, send me a recording of that inspirational (laughs) speech and I will put it as my ringtone. And my alarm for when I wake up in the morning, and I will listen to that every day. Well, it's a podcast, Maybe. Pete. I don't have to send it to you. It'll be online soon. I don't know how to edit. I'm not that guy. <laughs> fine. I'll send you a MP4. That's <laughs> great. Man alive. Uh, I've I've absolutely loved chatting with you. You're a, a, a pro, and you are such a kind human being. And you've uh, you've, you've got how dare such you? Exciting... I'm sorry. I shouldn't how say that. Dare I know you. you're right. We get a lot more bookings when we're unreasonable to work with. You're a terrible man, <laughs> but you're very funny. So that's uh, where, where, where do people find you if they want to get in touch with you, Pete? Uh, thank you for that huge compliment, Matt. That's uh, and right back at you. I've always enjoyed your stuff. And uh, when we said in passing, when we were at the uh, Win- Winnipeg Comedy Festival, would you be interested in doing my podcast? I'm like, absolutely. Uh, I get asked a lot to do these, and uh, I'm very selective of who I uh, I jump online with. So well, uh, I'm I'm honored, truly. I kudos am. to you, sir. I uh, I'm excited for your your career, and uh, yeah, you're a legit dude, and you work hard, and you're genuinely gifted in comedy. So. Oh, that means a um, lot. Thank you, Pete. Where you can find me is uh, at Zed Lacker is uh, my social medias. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can find me on the TikTok doing the uh, <laughs> it's uh, and ZedLacker.com is my is my uh, actual website. If you want to send me a message or send me a message through social media, whatever you like. That little um, grunt you made when you mentioned TikTok is the grunt that everyone over the age of 35 uh-huh. says. When they uh, and I'm on TikTok as well. Uh, TikTok. So here we uh, go. We will. Well, we made one for the Snowed In Comedy Tour, and it really blew up because it's just clips of us doing stand-up. So yeah, it right. got chopped around. So there's a couple of clips that are like 1.4 million views. I'm like, Jeepers. what? That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, so that TikTok is actually we're asking audiences all last tour, like, how did you hear about the Snowed In Comedy Tour? And then finally, this group of like. 18 19 year olds were like yeah. oh we know you from tiktok and we're like wow, nice it works wow so <laughs> we did it we did it we're, we're, we're still it. relevant we're still relevant <laughs> yes exactly oh so. that's amazing uh thank you so much huge thank you to my incredible guest mr pete zedlacker we will put uh, all those links in our show notes so get in touch with pete and check out what he's doing especially his show if you're in edmonton at the edmonton fringe festival august 17th to the 27th also want to thank the ghosts of comedy past present and future and thank you 
most of all, to all of you for listening. Please, on your favorite podcast provider, would you consider leaving us a review, subscribing to us? It helps other people find the show. I'm Matt Falk. Until next time, God bless us, everyone. (laughs) That's great. That's really great.